the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Wine Women Radio, where we discuss what we're drinking and what's happening in the wine industry. Pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. Well, we are here, folks, at the Palace Hotel in San Francisco, a place of esteemed history. Uh, for Wine Women Radio Hour at the Zinfandel Experience. I'm Marsha Maycumber. I'm Lisa Adams-Walter. We're happy to be here with the Zinfandel Advocates and Producers Group. Yeah, yeah they've been really generous. Hoo-ha of the year, Ooh, honestly. Yeah, it is their big thing. And we've got with us as our guest right now, David Gates, who's the VP of Vineyard Operations at Ridge Vineyards. Quite a historic winery. So thank you for being here, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank it's you. It's been really great. Thanks. Folks, you may know Ridge Vineyards from Montebello Vineyard. Um, it's it's the, the storied and long-lived uh, vineyard down oh, between between Santa Clara, Santa Cruz, right? So, uh, uh, and of course, Montebello, beautiful mountain or beautiful hilltop. It is a gorgeous hilltop location if you've ever seen pictures of it or yes. gotten to visit on site. And David, how long have you been farming Montebello? <laughs> well, uh, th- three years after this '86. <laughs> Joel <laughs> Peterson shared yeah, so with us. Ni- 1989 oh, wow. was my first vintage oh, wow. at Montebello. Wow! Yeah. Wow! I actually made it uh, this past year through my 31st vintage. So, 30 oh, years of age. Congratulations! Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you. Wow, what a lot of what a lot of fun, and what a lot of history there is there. Now, I believe, and you're going to have to correct me on this. Um, the the fault The fault line goes along Montebello, doesn't it? It's or it's it's just west of Montebello. Oh, yeah. So, if you look on a map, there's this um, Stevens Creek, which there's a big reservoir at the mm-hmm. very base of Montebello, mm-hmm. and the creek kind of goes along, and it gets to if if you're going upstream. It gets to uh, almost to Mount Eden Road, and it takes this hard l- right turn, and that and goes straight <laughs> on this canyon at this weird angle, and that's the San Andreas Fault. So Stevens really? Creek is following the San wow. Andreas Fault. Yeah. That's fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, and I and I remember talking with somebody else who farms um, right in Carneros, and they their vineyards straddle the Rogers Creek yes. Fault, and they've got completely different soils on either side. Of the fault, so it makes it very interesting for farming. That, that's uh, that's vitic- well, that's actually farming in California. Very not not homogeneous soils, non-homogeneous soils. Right. Well, right. Speaking of outside the state, I noticed you're from the Midwest, Minnesota. Right? Minnesota. Yes. Tell mm-hmm. us, tell us what brought you on your journey <laughs> to yeah. California. Well, uh, when I, I we grew up in a farm, a small mm-hmm. farm, it, for by Minnesota standards, 160 acres. So, you know, my parents had jobs outside the farm to keep it going. Um, but I was always kind of the truck gardener. I was the green thumb of the family. Um, when it came time to go to college, I wanted to get away from Minnesota cold and oh. snow. <laughs> I don't blame so, you. Uh, yeah, I it, grew up in the Midwest too, so I know what you mean. Yeah, so it brought me to California. Oh, and nice. eventually, first first down at San Diego for the beaches, uh-huh. and then up, up to Davis for the agriculture. And that's where I fell in love with um, wine and viticulture and enology. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Very, very cool. And Rich has some unusual background with Zinfandel specifically. Now, I think it started 
with plantings in 1954 at Ridge. Is that right? That uh, was the first round of Zinfandel? Well, that, so uh, Ridge was incorporated as, as a winery in 62. Mm-hmm. So the, the first Zinfandel they made was 64. Okay. So the, the first wines that Ridge, the Ridge partners made by Dave Benyon, the first winemaker and uh, Right. General Manager. Okay. Thank yeah, you so for correcting me on that. Oh no, no problem. Um, that that was they made Cabernet Sauvignon, a little bit of um, uh, let's see, Ruby Cabernet of all things. Okay. Uh-huh. And then a little bit of Chardonnay. So we've made we've made those. Um, well, the Cabernet and the Chardonnay every year since. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, they um, made some Zinfandel grapes from down at toward the bottom of Montebello Road, at the Jim mm-hmm. Samir and the Piketty Ranch. And um, those vines are still in the ground. And those vines, uh, those Zinfandel vines are pre-prohibition wow. vineyards that are planted in the early 1900s. Wow. Neat. I love the history. Wow. There's so many yeah. cool, that's one thing about Zinfandel. There's a lot of history tied in with Zinfandel in California right. for sure. So there, there is. And it, we call it the, the California, the, the, you know, the state grape of California is Zinfandel. But it actually goes back, it has a history over a thousand years old. And in California now, we, we have a couple of interesting tidbits of more recent history. We think of it, uh, some people think of it as Primitivo, um, mm-hmm. which the Italians say is completely separate for them. So there's a debate for them about Primitivo and Zinvendel being the same, which is okay. But then the more recent talk was about Tribidrag, its other unknown name. But David's got something even more interesting than Tribidrag. He's got... Privadrag, <laughs> tell tell the story sure. about Privadrag because that's a whole different ball of wax, but still Zinfandel related. Yeah. So how do you want me to dig deep? Yeah. 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 Okay. Why not? So, yeah. Why not? yeah. So we're in a Zinfandel experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's always been a mystery of where Zinfandel came from, and um, many people kind of thought that it might have been somewhere off the Adriatic. Mike Gergich swears that, that um, a grape that, that he grew up drinking, mm-hmm. uh, wine, wine that he grew up drinking from Plavitz Mali was Zinfandel. Well, um, Carol Meredith, being the um, a genetic um, engineer, yes. uh, geneticist, found that that wasn't the case, but she found that they're related. They're, there's a sibling-parent-sibling relationship oh, between right. Plavitz Mali, which is the main, um, main grape on the, on the Dalmatian coast. And Zinfandel and, and Mike Gergich said I knew it. I, you know, he, he thought, <laughs> Don't he argue thought, with Mike Gergich. Yes, he thought he thought that they were the same, but the wine is quite similar. Um, but they are related, so that led to what we call a Zinfandel safari on the Croatian side. Not to be confused with the Zinfandel, the Zinfaris that they had for the heritage <laughs> Zin vineyards in California. So, this was led by. Um, Ivan Pejic and Eddie Malatic from the University of Zagreb, and then they relied on Carol for the expertise on the DNA analysis. So they scoured the countryside looking for Zinfandel. They finally found the first one called Srilyanik Kostelyansky in this tiny little vineyard. There are like nine plants in a plantation of 9,000, so very small percent. You know, mixed, Holy moly. Wow. Mostly, mostly Plavitz Mali, and, 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 but a little bit of Zinfandel. Well, they found one, the, the main one vine, um, and that's near Split, which is um, on the Dalmatian coast. is the old historic town. There was the, the last um, 
Pope, Emperor, Pope. Um, I know what yeah. you're talking about. I can't remember the story of that either. But Diocletians yes, yes. Uh, yeah. had a big palace there. Well, outside of that, they had these seven or seven or nine castellas, little the noble families that w that had their little castles next to the water so they could escape. But they grew all the produce in those fields while they were growing a lot of wine and olives. And one of those grapes was what what they call Surlyanic Kostelyansky, the pretty blue from Kastella. Wow. Isn't that a so, great story? Yeah. Yes. I think that's so, so, cool. so then the researchers knew, they thought that it was an ancient grape, and that was a more recent name. So they went around looking for more Zinfandel or more, more of that um, DNA. And they found, then they started digging into the records, which mm -hmm. back then were all kept by um, religious orders, mostly right. Catholic yeah. monks. Mm -hmm. And they and they stumbled across this um, little village that was almost completely abandoned. You know, there used to be several thousand people there in this little valley. Um, now there maybe there were six or eight. This is early oh, 2000. Wow. Um, just a couple families living there. It's a it was a um, vineyard, tiny little vineyard um, and village above this town called Omish. So it's mm -hmm. on the mainland, Dalmatian mainland, right opposite Huar and. Um, Corchula, so the big islands out mm -hmm. there. You, it went up there. It was pure limestone soils. They this um, little this little old lady. I'll just say it. Um, she had in her in her garden, her cool little garden. She had four little vines. Her grandfather planted those vines. Oh my goodness! And she was she was in her 80, late eighties, early nineties. Wow! And wow! The stories. <laughs> yeah, and and um, when when Eddie and Yvonne took the took DNA from that, it came back as it was the same as Zinfandel, and they called that Pribidrog up in that little valley. So every little village has a different name. That's one way you can tell a variety is old, is if there are lots of different names for it. Wow, it's fascinating. Yeah. Isn't that a cool story? Mm, yes. That's neat. Yeah, and then the, the Tribidrog name comes from even further back, which was kind of the historic name, where it was mostly on the island of Huar. And, and the, um, that's when the Venetians kind of owned the whole Mediterranean. Right. And it was one of the favored wines called Tribidrog of Huar. And they have written records in the 1500s of a barrel of Tribidrog going to Puglia, Italy, as wine. Wow. So there's already trade back there, which is, you know, Zinfandel Primitivo, um, Surlyanic, Tribidrog, Tribidrog, you, they're genetically identical to each other. So the differences in morphology, differences in clones, wow. which you find with older vines. The older a, right. a vineyard is, or a grapevine has been around, the more mutations it has. So mm -hmm. that's cool. Cool. That yeah. is very cool. Yeah. So, uh, so I want to tie that up to what's now happening at Montebello and Ridges Vineyards. You actually got some Pribidrag uh, to develop budwood. Yes. Tell, tell the story. So, so, um, so what we, we made a little, well, we made a deal with the Croatians. <laughs> we, we, um, Did it take another six-hour dinner? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, and quite a few years, too. But we, we actually um, brought in, uh, imported in from Croatia, Budwood from those Prividrog mm -hmm. selections, to Foundation Plant Services at UC Davis. And they cleaned them up of virus. And then we gave that budwood back to the, our, our Croatian friends. And then, but then we also had it cleaned up to be used in California. We also gave them back some of their own other varieties that we had brought in to clean up because they didn't have any clean, clean right. grapevine facilities there. So eliminating virus mostly, debilitating mm -hmm. viruses. 
So with that budwood, we planted about an acre each of the Surlyanic Kostelyansky and the Privadrag 1 and Privadrag 2. And it's growing at most of those acre each is growing at our Lytton Springs Vineyard. Mm -hmm. And we have a little bit hidden away in Montebello for because it's it's a good spot to keep them virus free and to use for budwood. Right. So there's they're not producing yet. Yes, they are. Oh, they are producing wine. Yeah. (gasps) Exciting. We have a we have a wine, uh, the 17 vintage that I don't know what we're going to do with. It's not very much. (laughs) Tiny, tiny amount. And we're calling it Tribadrag. So we went oh, to Carol fun. Meredith. Yeah. So we went to Carol Meredith. She had I bet made she was a, excited. <laughs> yes. Well, she made a label of Tribadrag, and it's a proprietary name because mm-hmm. the, the TTB, our government, in their infinite wisdom, doesn't recognize Zinfandel and Primitivo as being the same variety, nor do they know what Tribadrag is. So. It's and they're picky. Yes, they are. But <laughs> <laughs> it's the government, so we're stuck with it. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, unfortunately, but whatever. Um, and, and so she gave us permission to use the name. So we're just trading wine for it. Exciting. Oh, awesome. yeah. Going back yeah. to the, the caring for each other and wine industry, that's which true. we were talking about earlier with an, an, another visiting guest, that people help each other in the wine industry, which is really nice. It's really, really nice. Yeah, it's a small, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. So are you, uh, in, in developing the, you know, the, the half a barrel or whatever you've got going here on the Privadrag, uh, and the tribadrag, the separate ones that you've all got blocked off, are you already finding distinct differences in the in the winemaking or in the wine growing that you're that you're uncovering? So or uh, similar? Yeah. So viticulturally, uh, there are some differences. Um, wines, the wines come out; they tend to have a little bit better acidity, which then means they have a little more color. And um, viticulturally, the clusters have um, on one of the, we have two Privadrag selections. One of them has a little bit bigger shoulder. So you know how clusters kind of hang down and they'll Mm -hmm. have a wing Mm -hmm. or a shoulder. Mm -hmm. One of them has a a larger, a little bit larger cluster because it has a secondary wing. But neither of them, and the other one is just long and cylindrical. So neither of them have as large a clusters as what's... um, pretty much out there with our heritage zins in, in California so that's kind of nice the berries tend to be a little bit smaller too which is nice mm-hmm. the Surlyanic um, selection has a problem with flowering so the yields are really low on that I don't know what something happened to it when it went through its virus interesting for, yeah, well that means yeah. that you get a lot of extra work to figure out how to help it along or yes, something exactly yes. so challenges for you but mm-hmm. uh, you know that probably helps keep things fresh for you you know if you've been doing if you've been managing vineyards for a long time even though it's already got a long cycle you need fresh ideas fresh material to kind of challenge you oh absolutely that's the fun i can see the sparkle in your eye you're excited about farming (laughs) this stuff yeah well that's it's like the frosting on the cake right Mm -hmm. so in farming in grapes anyway you do the same thing every year but every year is different and yeah. every year has its own challenges or some years are easier than others. And every year you have one shot to make a wine from that parcel of grapes. And so it's like it's like a constant rehearsal for getting that picking decision right, getting that the grapes the best you can do, reacting to the weather. So you do the same thing, but it's never boring, which well, is kind of fun. And oh, good. In yeah. working for Ridge, I'm noticing that you're working in Santa Cruz and Geyserville and Sonoma and Napa and Santa Clara and Paso. All, and Paso, yeah, mm-hmm. all over the place. So that's got to keep you hopping. I mean, that's a very long harvest, yes. right? Because it's different everywhere. Would you 
like to tell us about that? Sure. Well, one of the added one of the good things to do business plan wise is never put all your eggs in one basket. And so right. most of our Zinfandel comes w within a, a 10 mile radius of our Lytton Springs winery up in mm -hmm. Dry Creek. So we get a when when Zin is coming in, it comes in hot and heavy. So we try to find other areas where it's a little bit later. Pagani Ranch in Sonoma Valley. Um, uh, the Evangelo Vineyard in Antioch in the Delta, mm -hmm. that, that comes in earlier. So we try to do things to kind of spread that out. Paso is super easy because it's, it's usually a little bit on the early side. Mm -hmm. And um, those vines tend to themselves. Mike Ducey is, has taken over from his uncle Benito, who sadly passed away last year. And, um, and th that's just been a rock solid vineyard for us. And, and um, so, yeah, my, my truck, I put a lot of miles on my truck. <laughs> and Spend cruise, a lot of cruise, time in the vines. Yes, and <laughs> cruise control is my friend. <laughs> and, so, you know, some of our listeners may not know that the Lytton Springs Winery and Vineyards um, are also heritage, old, really old. You've got 115-year-old vines there in some places. Is at, that at, right? In, in Geyserville. In Geyserville. Vine, in Geyserville, the vines are, are planted. The oldest vines I farm were planted in the 1890s. On St. George and at Lytton Springs, they're um, 1901. Good old St. George. Is, yeah, yep. 1901 is the, are the oldest vines, but that's still, you know, that's getting up there. That's almost 120 years old. So. Yeah. So, David, you've mentored a lot of <laughs> vineyard managers and viticulturists, and that that alone must give you a very interesting perspective as the years pass in terms of um, what kind of training they're getting coming out of UC Davis or Fresno or Chico. Um, or San Luis Obispo. Um, I didn't mean for those all to rhyme, but they just do. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what do you find interesting about that part of your job? Um, it tells me I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I wasn't trying to rub it. Yeah, no, no, I know. But no, it's, it's really fun. I, I, I love it because, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about millennials or gen xers that they, they expect to get it all and they you know they want they don't they want to get the title before they get the the work and right you know, this and all entitlement that. stuff it, exactly and and uh in the in agriculture and the vineyards you really don't see that i never seen that among no. the people in this industry that who no. are young nope no. they, they work their patooties no, up and they're <laughs> smarter than heck i mean they they know their their stuff it's um they're digital natives. What is that mm -hmm. the term, right? They, right? It's like they grew up right. with a phone Out in their the hand. Womb. It's mm -hmm. just crazy. So when I need a you know spreadsheet problem, that that's awesome. They can help. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But but it's it's really fun because they're sponges. They really want to learn, and um, and they can teach me a lot of stuff too. So it's really it's a fun 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 thing to do. And I, you know, I really get I get a kick out of. Um, especially on the intern side because they mm -hmm. come in and they go right well then you get to see where they are in five years or or whatever sometimes you get some got fellows from overseas or some people from overseas and you see what they're up to and it's it's that's fun are you seeing more women coming through? thank god yes <laughs> in, in the vineyard good answer david yeah. good. no in the in the winery you know california's uh, it's more slow here um in the in the winery, it's a, it's much more acceptable. You know, you have your superstars from a generation ago mm -hmm. that really opened up the doors. Zumalong being one of them, and you know, right. um, and Carol Meredith. Hello. And Carol, yeah. Hello. Yeah. Discover exactly. Discover of Trubadag. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so on the winery side, we, we're kind of we're not the same as say down under New Zealand mm -hmm. or Australia, but there's there've been some really significant inroads. 
on the on the and the vineyard side my my generation out there some really great women viticulturists that that were pretty much in napa you couldn't you go elsewhere and you didn't really see them but that's not the case now um there are more and more and they're really interesting it's it's great i think and we need cool. more cool I, and i as a follow-up to that i want to ask without like you know this isn't intended to be something where you could step into something yeah great but but uh, is there of the women viticulturists and vineyard managers that you know are there some specific characteristics that sh- that they have that just kind of caught your attention that maybe is i don't know maybe it's different from men or maybe it isn't but. Mm, i'd say the 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 best of them would be it's attention to detail that uh, that i see that really stands out and also, um, I wouldn't call it empathy, but more a willingness to listen and to see both sides of the story. It's that, you know, maybe not big-headed, which mm-hmm. you see a lot with <laughs> some, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you, 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 can, you can find that in, in this in industry. In this industry, right. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure that's yeah. true of just about any um, industry, yes, true, it is. so Espe- it's not if you're successful, to right? Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. yes, I would say so. And, and also a, a willingness to just get things done which which really is in good stead where you know what in whatever job you have what are your observations having been you 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 looked at the the uh, ravenswoods in from 1986 that mm-hmm. joel dropped off at the mm-hmm. table uh and commented about um you starting only a few years after that what are you seeing if anything in terms of climate change and how that's affecting things in the vineyard yeah, so I would let's I would split that answer into um, the two main regions that I work. One would be Santa Cruz Mountains, mm-hmm. and the other would be um, Dry Creek, Alexander right. Valley, Inland Sonoma mm-hmm. County. So, um, Inland Sonoma County, the it's it's more variable. The weather, weather seems to be more variable. It used to be that if you did a good job with your mildew control. By the end of June, you didn't have to worry about mildew in your vineyard. You just kind of hung out and waited for harvest. Um, that's not the case anymore. So we can get fog laying in into the vineyards late. In, late, and so, but and and then, but so so there, there's that's cool weather, right? Mm-hmm. That favors mildew, comfortable weather. But then on top of that, we, we end up with. Um, occasionally this um these heat spikes that are just ridiculous you know so and the the worst one was 2010 we had the whole summer it was didn't get over 85 degrees and then um in just before just as zinfandel was turning so the end of august i think early september 117 degrees and it just fried everything it was horrible so that's sonoma i don't know where it's going Mm -hmm. i think it's going to we just have to rely on on really good viticultural practices to make sure that the vines aren't too stressed or they don't have too much crop. So if it's a cool winter, cool summer, where we can get it ripe. If we have big heat spikes, then we can try to control that. Just I, I can't. You can't um, micro sprinkler Zinfandel because it'll rot on you. <laughs> um, you know, like they can with um, Cabernet and Napa. But so we just have to keep a good canopy and keep the vines healthy. Mm-hmm. Explains a lot of this dry farming that we keep hearing about, right? Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. Montebello, mm-hmm. it's getting warmer. So we're, if, you look at, if you look at our kind of rolling 10-year average alcohol at our, on a Montebello Cabernet-based line, it's creeping up to mid-13s. And, be, you know, the, 
20 years ago it was um, low or low 13s, um, high 12s. 12.8 was probably the average. Now it's 13.4, 13.3. So that is partly because we have some younger vines that that tend to get a little bit riper, less virus. But it's but it's mainly because we can get it ripe that that ripe now. It's it's getting warmer. Do you think we're going to start seeing a change of what is what is actually being planted because of climate change? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, people. People in Napa are already talking about it. Bordeaux, of all places, they you know instituted some changes in allowed varieties, um, and yes, we'll see that. What what we see in our Zinfandel vineyards is we're adding our little bit of other that we like to intermix in our new plantings. We're going for high acid varieties like Grenache has really good keeps its acidity real well, especially Grenache Blanc. And it loves at, the heat. Yes, it does. Yeah, we're looking at um, some really cool Rhone grapes like Picpoul Blanc. To, mm. to co-ferment. Uh, and gr- there's very little of that here in California. No, and it makes a really nice wine yeah. wh- on its own. Um, uh, we tried a little Greco de Tufo to co-ferment um, with Zen, but it doesn't like head training. Oh. <laughs> it, needs, it needs canes. Um, anyway, and we, and we use some of the old standbys like Palomino and Burger. They keep their acidity pretty well. So we're, that's where we're kind of going with that, trying to go with... What whatever we feel Zinfandel is lacking, like maybe a little bit of color at Lytton mm-hmm. Springs or acid at Lytton Springs, that's what we try to bring into the blend. Very cool. Very exciting. Making wine in the vineyard, yeah. right? Yeah. Really well, we've been talking with David Gates, the VP of Vineyard Operations at Rich Vineyards, which has vineyards up and down uh, California. Uh, going as far south, did you say as far south as Santa Barbara or uh, only uh, as no, Paso? Paso. Paso? Paso as far yes. south. Yep. And up to Geyserville. Um, with uh, headquarters, you, you've got headquarters in uh, at Lytton Springs, of course, mm-hmm. is one place where you guys are. And then, of course, uh, Montebello being the, the, the signature vineyard of Ridge Vineyards. Yes. Which is very cool. Before we have to go, um, A, listeners can go to ridgevineyards.com. Yeah, right. Ridgewine. Ridgewine, thank you for yeah. the correction on that. Ridgewine.com, buy direct there, buy, buy at your local wine shop. Or ask your wine shop to carry it. Yes, as they, as they should be. Final parting words you'd like to leave with our listeners, David? Um, I would say that what I, the, what I really love about Zinfandel, if you have it in a good spot and it's a good winemaker, is mm-hmm. it can age like this. 86 <laughs> and 86 was not an easy year and Joel did an amazing job on this one Very cool. so yeah yeah it's still it's still wine. yeah and I also like to thank thank you guys for coming out and and um, being interested in Zen and talking with us we That's love awesome. it thank we you. love Thanks it for and us. Uh, thank yeah. you so much and really appreciate it us. and, and uh, participating in zap this year yes. so yep. very cool thanks okay. David Gates from Ridge Vineyards and Ridgewine.com thank you so much for being here Hey, 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 we've got Jake Newstadt here from, uh, from Bedrock Wine Company, viticulturist, vineyard manager. I couldn't believe, Jake, when I looked at how many vineyards essentially you have to oversee. You don't farm them all yourself, but me and Bedrock Wine Company sources from a lot of vineyards. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's true. We, we source from all over the place. We farm all over the place as well, so... It's a big, it's become, if not big, it, it is sprawling. Yes, it's very much sprawling. So you have uh, everywhere from North Lytton Springs yep. um, all the way, all the way south. Um, how far south do you guys go? And then 
And then you've got East Bay. You've got a whole bunch of sandy loam. You've got Lodi that you guys oversee as well. Right. So we we have ranches that we own or lease mm-hmm. that we farm directly in Sonoma County and then also in Contra Costa County in Lodi. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, we source fruit all the way. Well, I mean, now we're actually sourcing fruit from Santa Barbara County for oh, wow. Syrah. We're taking from the Bienacito Ranch down mm-hmm. there. Um, we work with Old Vines just outside San Jose and um, in the Salinas area right. as well. Right. So it's it's just a huge area. I know I was reading through all the different vineyards on the website, bedrockwineco.com, um, last night. And I just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I was like, wait, is this like the 20th vineyard? Is this... And there's a big yeah. team, too. Right. I mean, people kind of think of Bedrock as the two founders you can tell us about. But I think, you know, I was. it takes a lot mm-hmm. of people to do what you are all doing right. at Bedrock, which is really right. cool. Right. I mean, we've... We have expanded the the core team. Um, the viticulture side is is myself and my partner Sarah, mm-hmm. um, and but below that, I mean, there are so many people working in these vineyards. Um, so for some ranches, we you know utilize a vineyard management company. In other vineyards, we have our own in-house crew. Um, Bedrock Ranch has its own vineyard manager, Diane Kenworthy. Um, so yeah, there's a, there are a lot are, of hands, right? And you oversee all of this. So so to back up for just a second here, um, Jake, you grew up in the East Bay, so not too far away. Um, you're looking at a lot of different things. Um, you know, UC Davis. I understand you started out looking at journalism. Mm-hmm. Not exactly. You know, you know that, Lisa. Not exactly a high-paying industry no. these no. days. In fact, um, my daughter's changing her major right now <laughs> oh from journalism. Gonna, oh, my <laughs> goodness. You looked at international <laughs> relations. Um, and then you started kind of moving towards agriculture and winemaking. So that's really kind of cool. And then you've kind of been all over the place. You've, you've worked um, with Freeman and the Pinot mm-hmm. Noir up there um, way out on the Sonoma coast, which is a storied vineyard itself. Uh, You've gone to Central Otago in New Zealand um, to kind of learn what's different there. They're, of course, on a different seasonal basis. Uh, You've been at Ridge. Um, So you've gotten to learn from all over. Is it, it sounds like it's definitely a hands-on learning job. Yeah, in fact, I I mean, I went to New Zealand in order to get my hands in vines. Unfortunately, in California, it's not that easy to just get on a field crew and start working in vineyards if that's what you want to do. Um, but in the Southern Hemisphere, the industry set up a little differently, and it's really common for backpackers or whoever to just help and work in the vineyards. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I went down there to be able to work a whole season in the vines. Cool. Did you backpack around? Did you travel around like in a nomadic fashion to do that? Or how... Or did you go there with a job in place? Yeah. <laughs> I did, I did well. have a job. I did have a job when I went there and I lived in um, in Central Otago. But while I was there, I mean, I was leaving work on Friday with a backpack to go backpacking in, in the glaciers. Um, so, yeah, it's an incredible place to, to work wow. and travel. Must be phenomenal. <clears throat> so cool. So uh, some of our listeners may not know um, the background. I think I was going to just back up to bedrock vineyard bedrock ranch 
Um, it's quite a storied vineyard going back to 1854. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to tell our listeners about the home ranch vineyard and working there and, and your experiences? Right. Bedrock is rich in history. Um, at one time, it was a 300-acre parcel held by General Vallejo, mm-hmm. and he gifted that. And the first time that actual Vitus vinifera was planted on the property was in the 1850s. Mm-hmm. Um, those vines were planted by um, William Tecumseh Sherman mm-hmm. um, and uh, General Joseph Hooker. And those were lost to phylloxera um, in the 1880s. And then it was replanted by George Hurst um, in around 1888 using the brand new rootstocks from the university. Um, Now it's 120 acres planted um, with a 35 acre patch of old vines. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And where where is this located? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's for a, our listeners. <laughs> it's a, just south of Glen Ellen between okay. uh, Glen Ellen and uh, Sonoma. Really nice. So I'm going to say Joel Peterson standing next to us, but not wow. to Mike. Joel, if you want to sit down, there's an extra mic. <laughs> just because. <laughs> he's 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 and going Joel around. spends a little Joel spends a little time around Bedrock Vineyard himself too. So That's he's right. pouring some something. It looks yeah. pretty interesting. Yes. It so looks some old hill, Joe? I am pouring, just because I had opened it up, I'm pouring a 1986 old hill, which was made 10 years after I started Ravenswood and four years after I started working with old hill, which is germane to this conversation because it is just down the road from Bedrock Vineyard and it was planted at about the same time as Bedwalk Vineyard. Mm-hmm. And William McPherson Hill and Hearst were friends, and so they shared a lot of information. Um, and when I saw this vineyard originally, it was covered with you know, blackberry bushes and dead cars oh and, a, and a hippie commune <laughs> um, and, uh, and Otto Teller, uh, who was kind of a conservationist uh, and an eccentric uh, who loved wine, bought it. And he said, well, would you like to help me revive this vineyard? And so we worked on it for a long time. Uh, This vineyard was getting about um, a half a ton an acre that time, and it was like on its last legs. Uh, But through our work and the work of Will Buckland and Phil Katuri, they really revitalized the soils much like you know Jake is doing in bedrock mm-hmm. and it now gets about two and a half tons an acre uh, and supports three wineries including uh, bedrock right. and will Buckland uh, Ravenswood still gets a small amount of it and I get a tiny amount of it for my new uh, once in future label right. so it's a it's like a time capsule it but is? you can see while it's showing its age you can see the the color density yeah and like the the spice is still there. Sure you is. put it in your mouth, and it's got this like kind of sensual succulence about it that is really deep, and and the pepper and spice and the whole the whole integrity of the vineyard is right there in the finish. It's pretty remarkable. The, yeah, wow. the structure, the structure is still there, very much so, and yeah. I get a lot of Bing cherry to it. 
Yep. Um, Spice, brandy, a little meaty. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Yep. How about you, Jake? Jake's I, just sniff, I love drinking Old Hills. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no complaints on yeah. Old Hills. So. so I will check out now. But uh, thank <laughs> well, you for thank letting you for me check in. And I, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to share that. And I heard uh, Jake talking about Bedrock and its character and its history. It seemed like an opportune moment to drop in. It Fantastic. did. It did. Thank, thank you. you so much, Joel. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. So uh, a little a little lesson there and a little d- bit of history from the Godfather of Zinfandel. That's right. Right. That's right. right. Pretty cool. Definitely. Pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it's very, very cool. This, this is a lot of fun to try and quite a, a treat. So it must have been, Jake, I have to ask, was it a little intimidating to start working on Bedrock? You know, it's been around there for over 100 years. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I would personally, but then again... I'm not a trained viticulturist and vineyard manager. You know, the way um, things have gone at Bedrock, it's been a good progression for me. I mean, first of all, Morgan and Chris are very easy people to work with. and mm-hmm. It's a very um, fun and comfortable work environment. But I came on to Bedrock simply to take some vineyard load off of Morgan's shoulders. Um, and the first year was really just that of putting eyes on vineyards, scouting, doing mm-hmm. that kind of work. And it's transition nicely into um more of a a managerial role with more oversight so it's been it wasn't just straight into the fire in some ways and we should um explain to our listeners who morgan twain peterson is and his relation to joel and his Joel's son yes (laughs) i'm giving yeah i'm giving jake an opportunity to tell the story so right so morgan Peterson is Joel Peterson's son, Joel Peterson of Ravenswood. Um, and Morgan was at school not planning on pursuing wine, but after the um, purchase of Bedrock Ranch by the Peterson family, Morgan decided to come back and start making wine. And he started Bedrock in um, actually out of a converted chicken coop in, <laughs> <Wow>. in Sonoma, <laughs> um, making you know five-gallon ferments of mm-hmm. Bedrock Ranch and Teldesky Ranch. Um, who the Teldeskis Joel has been buying fruit from since For the decades. beginning of Ravenswood. Yes. Um, and since then, Morgan's taken on the path of, you know, making terroir-driven single vineyard Zinfandels like Joel did. Um, and then Morgan's also put a lot of energy and focus into the farming of those vineyards. I, I also had the feeling that... Um Morgan's had a real interest that he's pursued heavily in saving these old vineyards. Um, there's a lot yeah, of them the that you work with finds. and bringing them back. In fact, I think there's one, and because there's so many, I'm not going to remember which one, but I think it's, is it Papera? No, it's not that one. Uh, mm, I'm looking for which one it is that you, within, say, the last two or three years, it had been neglected for at least two years they hadn't harvested anything from it and you guys ended up leasing it i think and starting to bring it back to life what that right process like (laughs) right um i i believe the one you are talking about maybe this this vineyard in in lodi Mm. um that was actually the old noma vineyard that we didn't know it at the time when we took it over which was a well-known vineyard in lodi um and yes this vineyard was abandoned for years um just you know filled with trash and um 
right. not pruned. So we went in and, you know, we pruned it the first year. We actually pruned it pretty late. Um, and the next, this was just two years ago. Then this, the winter bef- last winter, we went and pruned it fully, cut back a lot of old wood and have started, you know, pulling fruit off of it. And it's yields less than a ton an acre, but wow. the farming costs in for that vineyard are, are pretty inexpensive and we, you know, we farm it, um, inexpensively enough that, that we can manage to start bringing in some fruit, treating it properly, putting down compost, cover crop, and eventually build fertility back into these vineyards. And that's really the process is proper pruning is the biggest thing that, that brings these vineyards back. Most of these vineyards don't have a lot of energy left. Um, and all that energy is being put towards way too many buds. So we dramatically reduce the amount of buds so it can actually put out a few strong shoots. And then from there, we can um, start building mm-hmm. something again. Right. Wow, so, so it's a lot of restoration. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. for our listeners who may be unfamiliar with um, what we're talking about in terms of buds and shoots and all that, the really old vines, the head train vines, a lot of the time they were done that way because they didn't require other mechanical things to manage them and that made them attractive to plant. And Infidel, as I understand it, is very comfortable with being head trained. But then you get, it's like hair on a person's head. It goes out in all directions. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that isn't necessarily conducive towards producing the best fruit. Is that right? Well, it, we believe that head training for Zinfandel is is really ideal for it, and it's really ideal for a California climate. It's not ideal in the sense that there's not a single element of it that can really be mechanizable, aside from driving the tractor down the row. Um, there's no mechanical leafing, no mechanical weeding. Um, so it does make it a very manual style of farming, but the, there's so many benefits to head training with Zinfandel. Um, in our hot climate, it just gives the right amount of leaf cover while still allowing the dappled sunlight that everybody nice. wants. Um, and it allows airflow. Um, and then also, Zinfandel is a large clustered variety. And on these goblet trained vines, the clusters are able to hang very freely from one another and have a lot of space. So it is a really nice way to grow Zin. Nice. So you get you get a lot more airflow then too. Yeah, you don't have f- this wall of foliage <laughs> that can be hard nice. for air to get through. Fun, cool. What you know? I just I'm curious, Jake. Uh, is anybody else in your family in the wine industry? No. So this was this became a, a, a you know an interest of yours. What what are some of your favorite parts about? Being a vineyard manager and a viticulturist. And a, and a follow-up to that, so you were at UC Davis, so was it like somebody started drinking wine <laughs> or someone else was majoring in viticulture or enology? Or how did this happen? Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, like we said before, I, I went to UC Davis pursuing journalism and, um, you know, quickly realized that wasn't going to be my career. And then I... F- also realized that I was at a university with a really super cutting edge program in in agriculture in general and specifically in the wine industry. So I knew I was going to take some intro classes and, and that kind of thing. So I did do that and switched over. I wouldn't say I knew what I was doing by the time I graduated, (laughs) which is how I ended up working sellers in Pinot country. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it took first realizing that I wanted to farm mm-hmm. and then um, realizing that I wanted to work with old vines, which really goes back to um, the HVS, the Historic Vineyard Society, had done a talk at UC Davis and David Gates was there and presented mm-hmm. Ridge Wines and talked about the vines. And it was really remembering that that got me to um, apply to work at Ridge. Right. And that that's really where, right. where and I you, got into and, wow. and so did you find uh, that um, you, you made like a sponge around David Gates um, I mean, when no. you first started working And there. things have come full circle. You worked for him and now you're like, we're on now a you've panel got with own. him. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's pretty it's a surreal. Little, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, is it, it a is, little like, it whoa, what happened? No, it, 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 it absolutely <laughs> is. It, I mean... Yeah, it was it was one season that I was at Ridge, but um, it was focused. Yeah, we were we were focused, and we were working directly with Will Thomas, who is um, was a, the viticulturist at Lytton Springs, and then Dave is the president of viticulture for both Lytton and Montebello. Um, so it was a great, I mean, an, an incredible opportunity of uh, mentorship there. I was just going to say, it kind of goes back, there's a lot of that in the wine industry of people know each other and they go way back and they did this together and whether it's a partnership or a, or a helping somebody out or a mentorship, like you're saying, I had someone who mentored me who was really important to me in the wine business and it's pretty cool. I don't think every industry is quite like that. It's pretty special. Maybe, maybe it's because uh, wine is, is such a long tail, long cycle industry it's not like it is not like technology where technology you know our our phones are outmoded in 90 days that's the right, life cycle right. of a new phone is they're introducing new models right. another 90 days later here you you're working in annual cycles one trip around the sun and a lot's out of your control yeah a lot of it and <laughs> I depended upon nature right jay Absolutely. do you think that's why people help out so much is because it's kind of we like do. it's the humans against mother nature and we know we're always going to lose we're always at well, mother nature's mercy and i hear that stories <laughs> of in cinema valley or napa valley where the you know the founders of the modern wine industry anyway would get together on fridays and they trade tractors or they do this and that and i think that sort of thing is happening probably at a larger level you might have some stories or experiences but I love hearing that, you know, it, it gives me a little bit of hope of, if, in humanity. <laughs> right. you know? Well, I mean, I think most far, most people that are farming, if you're farming the right way, will, the first thing they'll say is that it's humbling and everyone understands that um, you kind of need to support each other because it can be, it can be um, punishing and also, uh, of course, rewarding. Right. You have a variety of vineyards to oversee that go the range of small amount of dry farming to fully irrigated I'm just trying to envision like how you juggle you know how to figure out what the vines are going to be doing based upon how they're farmed Um, do do you find that now that you're a couple years into it with bedrock that um you feel a little bit more comfortable about going, I know what this, I know what this block's going to do next year. I, I've got a handle on it. Right. I mean, I think in the present, it always feels like, oh my God, the world, it's all collapsing. But, <laughs> you know, every year that's about a new thing and you take in things in the previous years that just become second nature. So you actually can handle problems that you didn't even know about before. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, balancing the dry farming versus the irrigation, you have to reach a different mindset when you enter a dry farmed old vineyard. Certainly if you're dealing with a dry farmed young vineyard, um, that just takes so much um, foresight and conservatism when it comes to um, canopy management mm -hmm. and fruit management and just making sure that these vines are going to be able to survive the season when they're young. Um, the old vines typically are actually quite easy to farm in some ways because they are have, are so resilient and well, balanced. Right. They've got they've got roots going down 50, 70, mm -hmm. 80, 100 feet. Right. The young ones. They've established themselves. Have yeah. They have their own little ecosystem going. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of. And they They've know how much thing. fruit to set that they will ripen it. Whereas a young vine will set a bunch of fruit and then die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since we're here um, at a Zinfandel experience, I want to talk a little specifically about um, perhaps, um, I don't know if... The, I don't know if you had any with you that you wanted to pour, or but uh, if you wanted to talk about some of the differences between the Zinfandels that Bedrock produces that maybe, you know, it's just caught your attention about, wow, it's so interesting how different these are, different these express themselves when they're coming from different vineyards. Um, yeah. We I, at Bedrock, and I think all these Zinfandel producers here understand that Zinfandel is an incredibly um, terroir-sensitive grape, and that's why we're happy to go to all these different regions to find old vineyards is that we know they're all going to have a, a massively different expression. So if you just took the two wines I poured today, which was the Bedrock Heritage mm -hmm. and the Evangelo Heritage, I chose those because they're really at the opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, Bedrock in Sonoma Valley has a big diurnal shift. It's got, which means, uh, very hot days and very cold nights. Um, they're high tannin, intense wines. Um, whereas Evangelo, which is a site in Contra Costa County, it mm -hmm. sits in Antioch, um, right on um, the Sacramento Delta. Right. Um, and that vineyard is planted, own rooted in um, 40 foot banks of beach sand, essentially. Um, I don't know where you get nutrients in that. <laughs> Well, I guess when it, well, Frank Evangelo, who of course farmed the vineyard for, for decades, his whole life, um, said that when they dug a well in the middle of the ranch and were finding vine roots mm -hmm. up 35 to 40 feet underground. Wow. Um, that's amazing. So they're using the whole column of soil. So yeah. this particular, at least I don't know if you know this, but this particular vineyard was originally planted in the 1890s. So it's been around a long time. And now... You're sandwiched between, do I understand it, like a PG&E substation yep. and a Burger King. And this is <laughs> yes. in Contra Costa County? This is in Contra Costa County. Yeah, wow. we. Um, it's a funny kind of postmodern setup where we lease a portion of the vineyard from PG&E and then uh, Bedrock owns the other 11 acres that the Evangelos um, used to own. Oh, um, wow. Wow. And I imagine the PG&E thing was of eminent domain or something because they had to, they had to put a substation there to boost. Yeah, probably. Well, and the truth is, where <laughs> the vineyard has been preserved in some ways because of it, because PG&E actually likes having a buffer zone 
of the vineyard. So there's not, you can't have developments underneath the, uh, the electricity towers. If you're in the vineyard, I mean, it's just dotted with electricity towers and power mm -hmm. lines and it's a really wild, um, do you feel anything? I'm just curious. <laughs> you can hear, I mean, it sounds like, uh, I'm sure you could hear it sounds buzz. like cicadas, but yeah. yeah, I mean, we like to say that there's some energy going down <laughs> to the, maybe the, the biodynamic people. Might oh, my energy goodness. going oh my down. Yeah. Oh. Not during the blackouts. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's very, really, really very cool. So are, I um, noticed that you, in looking at your background, you have experience with organic and so t t I mean, what are you in farming sustainably? Is that your approach hundred percent when you can, how does that work? Especially with these old vineyards. Uh, we have a really dynamic farming approach. Um, the old vines at Bedrock are um, farmed 100% organically. A lot of our other vineyards are farmed organically, but we don't, um, we haven't tracked it or followed it or um, certified or anything like that. That's an effort unto itself. Yeah. Right. Um, what we try to integrate is um, a lot of the modern sustainability practices. One of our biggest, the golden goose for us is trying to... Um, integrate dry farming with uh, a no-till system, so a non-tillage system. Uh, traditionally, dry farmed vineyards would be disked, usually disked two ways. So mm -hmm. back in the old days, there weren't rows of vines. You'd actually drive the tractors both directions. Mm -hmm. um, so then you'd be able to get all the weeds. Uh, so what we want to do is to be able to not turn the soil um, and still dry farm, which is considered an extremely difficult thing to do, but we're using methods such as roller crimping, which is something that we use. If you go on the Instagram, we love to post about the roller crimper. Um, For those who can't visualize it, think about um, a, 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 a Quonset roof, a Quonset building, you know, with a Corrugated with the corrugated metal. Uh, metal that's got the, the ridges to it. So it's got so, like a right. little serpentine pattern And why to no it. disking? What's the advantage of not disking? Right. So there are a lot of advantages to uh, no-till agriculture. Um, the main one is the preservation of organic matter in the soil. Um, every time you disk, you're losing the carbon that was in the soil to the atmosphere, a, okay. a, a good portion of it. We know we don't want more carbon in the air. Yeah. So that's a big <laughs> one. I mean, the, we can store carbon in soil and you just have to farm a certain way to accomplish that. Um, but beyond that, for every 1% organic matter you have in the soil, you get 10 to 20,000 more gallons of water per acre that you can hold in the soil. Wow. Um, so it's a Moly. massive, I yeah. I did not know that. It's a massive increase in your soil water holding capacity. It's also really important. It's where all your microbes live. So it's, it's how you get natural nutrient cycling. Um, and it improves water penetration massively as well. So the water that hits the ground is going to go into the soil. And the last point is that it's an extreme preventative measure against erosion. It creates a soil that stays in place, stays together, and isn't going to run off. Nice. Hmm. All excellent things. Yeah. Good to know. So I Jake, learned a lot. I Thank know, you. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, get a little master class. <laughs> right. Definitely. Um, Jake, um, we're, uh, we're almost out of time, and I want to make sure 
Um, you mentioned a couple of the wines that you were pouring this morning at the seminar um, as kind of two different benchmarks to look at as, as very different expressions from the vineyards. Um, what else would you want to say to our listeners or particularly maybe young people who are at UC Davis or Cal State Chico or, or Fresno and they're thinking about maybe I should be go- going into you know vineyard management and farming and viticulture what would you what would you like to say is like career tips and advice? Well, I would say that we would love to have more young farmers in the industry. We're luckily more and more people are getting into the industry, um, and there's a really really excellent community of incredibly smart growers and um, mm-hmm. grower assistants from from the extension in Sonoma and Napa counties and Lodi. Um, and it's just an incredible community to be in. Um, so yes, the more people we have, and, and it's also, uh, there's been a, a really big influx of young, uh, female farmers as well. Um, and that's, that's right. been a huge, like Brene, well. who was here earlier. Right. So. Yeah. That's great. Um, so it's nice to have a balance. Cool. So to find out more, the website, um, the website is bedrockwineco.com. Easy enough. Um, and you can buy directly from the website um, if, for instance, you're not able to get to a local wine shop that carries them. That's but correct. also encourage your local wine shop to carry the Bedrock wines, too. Definitely. Definitely. Anything else? I don't think Jake's so. Jake's got thank it wrapped up. Thank you so much thing. for having me. Well, thank you, Jake. <laughs> we really appreciate here, taking Jake. the time for being here. And I hope you have a lot of fun here with the Zinfandel experience because there's a whole big event tomorrow for... Uh, the grand, uh, the, tasting. the grand tasting and everything. So thank so, you, Jake. Absolutely. Jake Neustadt, so Bedrock Wine Company. Yeah, thank Thanks you. so much.